Listener Production. Matthew Bevan, thank you for submitting to this involuntary interview. I'm kind of surprised it was you guys. I was assuming the KGB were the ones who were going to pick me up. Trust no one. The level of sedition, anti-authority behaviour and advertiser-unfriendly thought crime has reached record levels, especially amongst Australia's elites. Treason. Luckily, the men and men of The Chaser have been commissioned by Border Force to conduct interrogations and sort out the subversives from the Patriots. Betrayal. In conjunction with ASIO and the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Protocols, this is Extreme Vetting with The Chaser. The Chaser. Okay, today I've hauled in an expert on the greatest man in the world. Oh, wow. Minister Dutton? Even greater. Donald Trump? Warmer. His award-winning podcast, Russia, if you're listening, started out being about Donald Trump, but he's now focusing on the greatest interrogator and all-round evil mastermind in the world. Jimmy Fallon? No, no, Vladimir Putin. His name's Matt Bevan. He's also the newsreader on RN Breakfast. Oh, that show that all our right-wing buddies listen to religiously, even though it's on the ABC. You don't listen to it, do you? No, of course not. I just watched Sky News like Minister Dutton ordered. Well, let's interrogate this Matt Bevan. KGB style. Now, let's start with your full name. Uh, Matthew Edward Bevan. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Newcastle. Sorry, it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, north of... Sorry, I believe what you're supposed to say is Newcastle, north of Sydney. <laughs> and so that's outside the Canberra bubble. It is, significantly. Although Newcastle and Canberra are kind of similar in many ways in that they're same size, lots of people in one industry and... And hate Sydney. Hate Sydney, except one has a beach. Yeah, and the other has a fake lake. What's the worst thing you did as a child? What are we defining as child? Because uh, I was very good until I was sort of mid-teenage years. That'll do. All right. Uh, We've got your records here. Let's be very clear. Okay. So um, we, uh, I had a you know computer that I wanted to play uh, computer games on at home, as did uh, all of my friends in the high school sound and lighting crew, uh, but our computers didn't have enough RAM and uh, the computers in the school library did, did not have padlocks. <laughs> oh, my God. So they didn't need all the RAM, so we left them enough to function. But, yeah, so anyway. And did you get caught? No. No, this, this is me. Uh, Confessing. You, oh, you, you, oh. you are the ones who have caught me. <laughs> it's interesting because Charles knows a bit about that. Charles used to sell computers as a child. He was uh, all across installing RAM, weren't you? We could have... Uh... Yeah, well, you know, traded. We we got far more RAM than we needed, so <laughs> there's only so much RAM you can stuff into a computer, basically. <laughs> so I could have supplied you with some, yeah. All right, well, that's a first uh, charge to use against you as, yep. as we go forward. Uh, now you're here because of your podcast, Russia. If you're listening, mm-hmm. Russia is listening, by the way. Mm. Um, and we want to know more about Donald Trump and how his whole system works and, and Trumpism. Can you teach us yeah, the secrets of the master? Because to be clear, we work for Border Force. Yes. And the AFP. And the yeah. AFP. Minister Dutton's department. Yeah, and and he's very interested in Trump. He wants to know everything about Trump. Well, Trump, um, Trumpism as a system 
uh, works. I think. I think what 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 people are discovering is it works best if Trump isn't involved. At the moment, you know, you've got Boris Johnson is sort of employing the good bits of Trumpism without the um, distracted nature of the man in charge. So what you need is to, you need to uh, bring on the. Um, fear of uh, the xenophobia, the fear of people who are not uh, currently living in your country. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to bring on uh, populism, making promises that uh, you have no intention of keeping, Uh, but you have to try and not have literally Donald Trump himself involved because he goes off and does things that get in the way, really. Sorry, Charles, can I have a moment? Yeah, sure. Charles, this populism thing, Mm. I'm worried because I've heard about this as well and I think it could work well for Peter Dutton, Mm. but he's not at all popular. No, I know. But he is very charismatic, so I imagine he could just... I think... He could roll it out. He's a bit of a Boris Johnson character. The Australian people just need to see the real Peter. He's a bald Boris. He's a bald Boris. That's good. All right, Mm. we'll pitch that to him later. Let's go back into this ABC apparatchik, shall we? So the good bits of Trumpism you you mentioned. I mean, what are the good bits? And to me, they're all it's all good. Well, the the bits that seem to be working is uh, you know you you promise to uh, to win a trade war with China and you um, uh, then in the midst of you losing that trade war, you just uh, raid the uh, U.S. government coffers in order to pay all the farmers who are suffering from the trade war. That's a you know excellent. Uh, example of of Trumpism, you pr- you promise to do something and then you sort of uh, just pay so, your way out of it. So basically, you, you, so you create your own car crash, yes, and then rush in and say, "I'm going to fix this car crash." Yes, you create the car crash, uh, maybe thinking that it was going to just be uh, a, a meaningful discussion between two gentlemen uh, about a light slight scrape. You turn it into uh, a demolition derby. And then uh, you uh, pay for all the repairs. Can I ask <laughs> about the wall? Because uh, President Trump talks a lot about building the wall, mm. and he hasn't really done that yet. And Mr. Dutton loves the idea of a wall around the whole of Australia, a boat-proof wall. Do we need to actually build one, or can we just talk about it? Well, you can talk about it, and uh, you what you the, the key thing is you need to ideally have something that exists, some sort of wall-like structure that you can repair. So perhaps just, uh, you know, fencing around sort of Darwin Airport. The or rabbit-proof fence, The rabbit-proof fence, mm-hmm. perfect example. You could repair the rabbit-proof fence mm. and say that you're building a wall. The refugee-proof fence. Yes. Mm. And never mind the fact that the rabbit-proof fence is sort of a north-south fence that would just keep Western Australians <laughs> from coming over here. Also a worthwhile endeavour. Well, look, we could give it a crack. Why not? But, yes, you, you repair that fence and then say that you're building new fence and you go down there and you you look at it and you, um, you, know, you poke it and you smile in front of it and that sort of thing. Do you have to talk about how it gets really hot and that therefore they won't be able to climb it? Yep. It's really hot and it's so high... It's so high that there are no, there's no possibility of anybody climbing it. Basically, it's so hot and high is the thing. What it about absorbs tunneling? heat. Don't talk about tunneling. Uh, <laughs> is the best thing. Don't talk about the existence of tunnels or ladders. Uh, basically, the the idea is you ignore the um, existence of tunnels and ladders, and you just assume that everybody trying to get over the wall is going to try and just jump. Basically. So, but why do Trump supporters buy into that? But why why does the wall still resonate after 
you know, like, because everyone on Twitter laughs about the wall, but then there's this whole constituency. There's, he's still sort of got 35% of Americans well, going, hang, hang oh, yeah, it, oh, it's all about the wall. Charles, you're forgetting our, our mantra mm. here at Border Force. Just, just take a moment. Build the wall. Build, Build the, the wall. wall. Build the wall. Because it's really fun. It's really fun. You've heard that, Matt, haven't you, that it's just fun to chant three-letter slogans. It is. It is great fun. But is that is that Get the Brexit reason? Get Brexit done. Build the wall. Um, stop the boats, as you guys would be fully aware. Oh, we've been stopping them. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 And we just don't advertise the ones that get through. So. <laughs> yeah. No, because it's not, it's not part of the three-word slogan. Stop no. the boats. Yeah. yeah. Except for some of them. It doesn't fit in the three words. Look, it's actually (laughs) stop the boats asterisk, except for the ones that we didn't stop. But we don't talk about that bit. That's not necessary. But so why do you think that... So you think it's just as simple as a chant? What what I don't understand is, why doesn't everyone go, well, that's so stupid? Well, the interesting thing about it is that a lot of um, uh, the... pro-building wall uh, commentators mm. occasionally admit that no wall is being built. you got... Um, uh, <laughs> but that's the Democrats' fault. Yeah, exactly. you got Ann Coulter, who um, every sort of six months or so declares that she's done with Trump because he hasn't built any wall yet, mm. and then she realises that all of her readers and viewers are still on board with Trump, and so she's like, well, maybe he will build build, build some more. Maybe, gee, it's a nice replacement wall that he's got down he's there, isn't it? He's still talking about it. Yeah, he's still talking about it. He goes down there and, and sort of smiles and um, and waves and hands out MAGA hats. It seems to be working. And the, fa- the thing is, a wall is a really big, long thing. It's difficult to conceptualise, and most of it, in Trump's case, it's in the middle of the desert, mm. and nobody's going all the way out there. No. It's hot and horrible. So I guess for you guys, your wall building, if you can put, d- declare that the wall that you're building is somewhere that nobody will ever mm. bother oh, going to. Northern Australia. Northern oh. Australia, middle of the Timor Sea, mm. something like that. Oh, yes. A sea A wall, wall in the sea. Yeah. A floating wall. Yeah. Because mm. no one would ever think of going under the wall. <laughs> just a moment, just a moment. Sorry, Charles. Yeah. This is an ideas guy. This is an idea. I think we need to sort of employ him or something. Oh, I'm sure we can. He works for the ABC. He's broke. Well, actually, I'll tell you what, better to leave him there and then he can get all the documents for us. We don't have As to a mole. go in through the front door. Oh, no more raids. No more raids. Because that, yes. I thought the raid was going to work really well, just nah. turning up with a bunch of cops well, at the front door of the ABC. I, I, I thought, thought it, it was a good look. It would be a, a popular thing to do. Yeah. It would, people would love the yeah. AFP for that. No, OK, well, we'll try and turn him, shall we? OK. Should we also use the taser on him? I think it'll just remind him who's in charge. OK. Hey, Matt. Mm. Just touch this. Um, look, that wasn't quite what I was expecting when I came in here. But I look, know uh, it's not part of the RN uh, interview toolkit where you do the breakfast show. No, but it should be. No, um, you've wanted to taste guests, haven't you? At RN before, you're well, allowed to say. Yeah, well, yeah, sure, yes, occasionally, but usually the guests you want to taste are down the other end of the phone. So what I need from you guys is to invent some sort of attachment, uh, like a phone case mm. that you could. Hand out for free to everyone because everyone needs phone cases, but it's got a built-in taser in the ear that then we can deploy when people uh, are causing problems on the radio. I told you he was an ideas guy. This is great. Now, look, um, Matt, let's talk more about uh, about Donald Trump because uh, Minister Dutton has, has charged us with asking you this question. 
Uh, if you want to collaborate with the Russians, is it as simple as saying something like, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Does that work? Seems to, yes. <laughs> it seems to work very well. How quickly did that work? Uh, well, I mean, the emails he was actually asking for never materialised, but we uh, now know that on the day that he said it, uh, the Russian hackers did have a go. Uh, from the Mueller report, says that uh, on the day that he asked the Russians to find Hillary Clinton's emails, they attacked uh, various servers that they thought the, the emails might be on. So that didn't actually work. Um, but it seems like, you know, after we've been handed the Mueller report, you can do that. You can ask for outside help in your election, and it's fine, particularly in America, apparently. Russia, if you're listening... Uh, what's the worst thing Albo has ever done? Mm. And were you involved in Harold Holt? Because we still got nothing. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Russia. Uh, so, is is that the most damning thing in the Mueller report? Like what? Obviously, we didn't read it, but you have. Yeah. Well, it kind of. It was just interesting. The Mueller report basically said, yes, all the things that have ever been reported about Donald Trump did happen. Mm. He was trying to build a a. a Trump Tower in Moscow. He was, you know, in contact with the Kremlin about that at various points. Donald Trump Jr. did have a meeting with a Russian lawyer and a couple of ex-Russian spies. Uh, but basically, everyone was too incompetent to be able to uh, to for any of the things that they did to constitute a crime. And so the only people who committed crimes were the the, uh, the people who were tax dodging while they were doing those things. Is that a fair characterization? Because I thought it was that Mueller said. Whether th- these are a crime or not is not my duty to report. Like, like, didn't he sort of go, this is up to a political process? Well, then? that's what he said in relation to whether or not Donald Trump committed crimes while covering, while trying to cover yeah, up. The obstruction. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so everything that Donald Trump uh, and his campaign did before he was elected, mm. Robert Mueller basically said they were, it was a schmozzle, it was a mess. They met a whole bunch of Russians but didn't, you know, nothing rises to the level of criminality. So they were too incompetent to actually get the deal going because didn't Jared Kushner want a back-channel arrangement with the embassy? Yeah, he did. That is something that is still unexplained. I still don't quite understand what the what the go was with that and it I wasn't think really probably, well explained in the Mueller report, unfortunately. I but suspect he heard someone talking about back-channels and didn't know what they were and thought it sounded fun. Yes, perhaps. Perhaps that is true. Uh, but uh, <laughs> basically... <laughs> Uh, it's everything. It's everything that Donald Trump did after he became the president mm. to try and stop the investigation into the things he did beforehand that may constitute crimes. And Robert Mueller basically said, "Someone else can figure out if this is a crime." Here's all the information. But now, do you think tr- history will treat him really badly for not being a bit more definite about it? Like any other special prosecutor, like Ken Starr, would have come out and said. This guy needs to go to jail. Totally. Yeah. And uh, and this sort of wishy-washy, oh, well, we don't know anything. Oh, I worked for James Comey. Yes, that's true. I guess, uh, you know, maybe, but I guess the thing with, with Mueller is that maybe he was, you know, right now, you know, we're in the middle of a an impeachment process with uh, related to the Ukraine scandal, which is much simpler to understand. But it's almost certain that he's not going to get impeached for it. Mm. He's not going to get thrown. Well, he will get impeached, but not thrown out of office. So maybe Robert Mueller said, "Why would I burn, uh, you know, my reputation and declare that the president committed all these crimes when he won't be thrown out of office for them anyway?" Now, Matt, we'll get on to impeachment, but uh, before we do, I know you've got to be very careful mm. about what you say because you work for the ABC and mm. there's all these rules about bias and, and truth and so on. But if you didn't work for them, what would you say to this question? Is the PP tape real? 
And have you seen it? Uh, uh, I don't think it's real and uh, no, I have not seen it. Isn't that what someone who worked for the ABC would say if the PP tape was real and they had seen it? Yeah, it probably is. You're right about that. Yeah. Noted. I mean, if I literally had a copy of the PP tape available, then... I would, I mean, I would put it out there. That would well, be quite helpful But too. you have an audio podcast. You That's wouldn't true. be able to get the full splendour of it. That's true. Uh, and the, the, the funny thing about the, having an audio podcast is uh, rights are a lot easier to deal with when it comes to news audio, uh, whereas, you know, you would assume that, that if you wanted to actually put it on, uh, on a video form, it's a lot more complicated. So my podcast couldn't be turned into a a TV show without a lot of money being spent on rights. But so if I had the PP tape, then, you know, I possibly could get it released, but it'd be really complicated to figure out who to pay the copyright to and all that sort of thing. Cool. So maybe it's better that I the don't KGB, have it. The KGB. The KGB, I suppose, yeah. Now, what is going to happen with impeachment? Because, um, look, the, 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 the folks in Canberra, our bosses are very concerned about this. They say that if Trump's going to get kicked out, we, actually, we really have to start sucking up to Joe Biden. Uh, well, first you got, if Trump gets kicked out, first you've got to suck up to Mike Pence. Oh, that's no problem. Me and ScoMo are like that. I, I think Pence would uh, probably... But, you know, Mike, Joe Biden is, uh, is... I think DFAT knows how to deal with, with Joe Biden because Joe Biden's a classic American Democrat. You know, if you can deal with Bill Clinton and, and Barack Obama, which they did, then they can probably handle, um, handle Joe Biden all right. Just the odd free train ride, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a Bernie Sanders that'd be a, a bit of a wild card when it comes to exactly how to deal with with him or with um, uh, look you know has uh, has uh, Marianne Wilkinson dropped out of the race yet because I would be who's, who's if there? a tree falls in a forest has it that's true well Marianne Wilkinson is a wellness um, a wellness expert uh, who uh, is a publisher of many wellness books and is, has become fairly uh, well known and and, uh, and wealthy and entered the Democratic primary in order to try and get elected president and I really would like to see. Scott Morrison go over there for a uh, a state visit yeah. with President Marianne Wilkinson and sort of and get out the the, the healing crystals and uh, uh, you know sit there on the you know cross legged on the on the uh, on the yoga mat. I would really like to see that. I think that would be really excellent. I'm sure, Hillsong can help with that. Um, Difficult to figure out all the protocols beforehand, though. And, well, and educate the Prime Minister on those I mean, things. would she visit Australia via astral travel? Um, I wonder. Now, there's a question. But so, what would, what, how would, how would the, your, your fellows in customs deal with someone who is teleporting into the, well, into the country? The seawall wouldn't work. That's true. <laughs> um, all right. Biden versus Trump. Surely Trump wins in that scenario. Well, not according to various polls. Biden's popular in various states. You know, Biden Biden's losing a lot of popularity in uh, in the you know the east the east and western coasts. The uh, the, the the not real Americans mm. uh, among the real Americans, Biden's still relatively popular and could possibly take down possibly if not probably probably take down Trump. It gets more complicated when it's not someone from the Midwest. But don't you think he's he's a bit like Hillary Clinton? He's very undynamic. He's not going to... Like, Trump's going to throw... I don't know, he'll probably get the Ukraine to investigate him or something. Well, like, could, he could try. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't gone that well for him so far. But, but the, Trump's going to do various unexpected things. Biden's just not somebody... Like, he's traditional DNC committee thoroughbred. So 
he's going to, Trump's going to suddenly do something, throw some sawdust up in August, mm. and Biden's going to go, oh, we didn't plan for that. Oh, well. Well, you've it's probably, all over. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know that anyone can plan for what Trump is going to do because yes. well, Trump can't. No, Trump, he, Trump's exactly. Not yeah. So you need to like you need somebody on the Democrat side to, who actually knows how to improvise. Well, so but, surely someone like Sanders or even Warren. But isn't Biden the master improviser because it's just all one long gaff? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like the whole, he's been winging it since day one. He has no ability to even make a statement without getting. Well, I saw the other day, he's actually a stutterer. Yeah. And that's the reason why he can't speak properly is because he's holding in his stutter. So he says all these things, but he doesn't want to admit that he's a stutterer. That does not strike me as somebody who's like free-flowing and can jam it. Well, Donald Trump's got an opposite problem. He can't find a full stop. Yes, that's true. Uh, I mean, the other thing about Joe Biden is that he, he gets himself into bizarre stories that he can't, he can't <laughs> yes. find a way out of. What was the story about the, the guys at the pool with those names? That was hilarious. Ah, so he, uh, yeah, so Joe Biden was t- telling a story, and I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how he got into it, but he was telling a story about a time that he was... Um, uh, he was a, a lifeguard at a local pool, and uh, what was the guy's name? Corn Cob. Yeah. So this guy. So he basically, Joe Biden starts telling a story, and he goes, "There was a guy called uh, Corn Pop, uh, and he and Corn Pop ran a bunch of bad dudes, uh, and uh, they were bombing in the pool and not using the diving board correctly. And he told them to get out of the pool, and they said that they'd be waiting for him in the car park with their switchblades." And uh, so he got a big length of chain and went out to the car park to confront these, to confront Corn Pop and his, uh, his bad boys and uh, it managed to talk them down and that was the story. And it's unclear exactly what presidential point that was making. But it is presidential. That's what the president's supposed to do, is to talk down Corn Pop. Yeah, yeah it, that's true. You, that's true. If Corn Pop is, you Kim know... Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un or, uh, or Iran, I suppose. But yeah. also you've seen Air Force One that you know, historical document. That's true, yes. Where President Harrison Ford goes, get off my plane and punches the yeah, terrorist. that's and- true. That is an important part of presidential... Uh, mm. I would like to see Donald Trump in that sort of situation. Yeah. Donald Trump out there in the car park swinging around a bit of chain. That would be good. Yeah. He'd probably get his shirt a bit dirty, though, <laughs> in, the, in the melee. <laughs> now, look, um, Matt, in the last series of your podcast, Russia, if you're listening, um, you focused on Vladimir Putin and his attempts to take over the world. He moved away from Donald Trump. And there are some stories about hapless Russian spies. Now, we at Border Force are meant to be catching people like that. Can you give us some pointers? What, what kinds of people are they? What do they do? How can you tell if a Russian spy has infiltrated your country? Well, the fascinating thing for me is well, I was looking at the, the Sergei Skripal assassination which uh, attempt in 2018 um, when the two gentlemen who uh, referred to themselves as uh, fitness industry employees who are in the, uh, the supplements industry came into the UK with a perfume bottle full of uh, weapons-grade nerve agent in order to assassinate a, a former colleague of theirs. And they screwed up pretty badly. They, you know, left their left traces of the Novichok all over the place and, uh, and then left behind and uh, accidentally killed somebody and didn't actually manage to kill the guy that they came to kill. Uh, but the thing I was astonished by when researching it is there was a similar incident in 2006 with uh, a, a a different assassination attempt on a different Russian spy called Alexander Litvinenko. 
And this was very famous, but what isn't so famous about it is how terrible the assassins trying to go and kill him were. So they brought uh, polonium, which is a incredibly radioactive element, into the country in a leaky container and left traces of polonium on their plane seat, on their clothes, on their uh, all over their hotel room, and then they went to. <laughs> so they could just be traced, could they? Yeah, it was basic. They, they were basically um, Hansel and Gretel. They left uh, bread a trail crumbs, of cookies, a, a trail of cookies, indeed, very dangerous cookies. Uh, and then they went in and attempted to kill Litvinenko. They put it in his tea, but he did, well, decided he wasn't thirsty and didn't drink it. Then they went back to their hotel room, dejected, poured their polonium down the sink and then wiped it up with towels and put the towels in the the washing in order to so that the people the uh, the you know the the hotel staff would clean up the towels those hotel towels were the most radioactive thing found during the investigation. <laughs> and then they decided that they were very disappointed about how this whole thing had gone down. They make themselves feel better by going out and trying to score some girls. And so they went down on the town left radioactive polonium traces all over the club they went to. Probably not the most disgusting thing in those clubs. No, probably not. And then, uh, but they didn't, and then they went back to their hotel and the hotel clerk, the the concierge said, how'd you go tonight? And they went, no, no luck tonight. Sorry about that. So they couldn't, they didn't kill the guy. They couldn't score. And then uh, they left a radioactive mess. They took two more attempts to actually kill Litvinenko. And then by the time they managed to do it, they had both been poisoned so badly by the radiation from their weapon that they were both hospitalised in Moscow. <laughs> so so are you saying we don't need to worry about Russian spies? No, just c- take a Geiger counter out and just sort of sweep it around. You'll find the, you'll find their uh, their trail somewhere. But the other thing is that they that they were described as dressing exactly like Russian mobsters. They, they looked like they were out of a cartoon. They were wearing, you know, big leather coats. And, in fact, someone asked them in an elevator... They got into an elevator at some point and there was this English woman in there and she sort of went, are you two from the KGB? And they were wondering if they'd been blown or not. (laughs) So So wait a minute, wait a minute. You sure that wasn't just a very elaborate double bluff? There could have been real Russian spies going around and assassinating people with no traces. Yes. That is possible. They just sort of... And, you know, they thought, well, we'll leave so much of a trace that it'll be really hard to work it out because there's just a trace of things everywhere. Yeah, that's true. How many people have they assassinated? They they appear to have been to this club. (laughs) Did they assassinate someone there? Yeah. Um, So how did Vladimir Putin get his reputation as a dastardly genius um, spymaster? Well, Vladimir Putin was uh, not a particularly important spy when he was a spy. He was uh, stationed in East Germany at the end of the uh, Soviet Union, and his main job appears to have been shredding everything at the embassy there where he was working, everything at the Residentura. He was the main guy in charge of shredding when the Soviet Union collapsed. That is actually what Charles and I do most of the day. You're the shredder boys, We, we do shredding most of the time, but also yep. podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so he... And then um, he went and got involved in politics and managed to... Um, get himself a, a little network of ex-spies together, uh, ex-KGB agents together who all sort of worked together and uh, built his career up. Apparently they decided that he was uh, the most presentable and electable person among them. Probably not hard given what you said about Russian spies. That's true. Earlier. The rest of them were in hospital with polonium poisoning. Uh, and uh, anyway, so he managed to get into um, uh, the job of prime minister and then uh, there were a bunch of mysterious bombings around Russia which uh, various 
ex-KGB agents and journalists say was in fact done by the Russian security services in order to try and get Putin into the job of the president. And uh, he did get the job of the president just over 20 years now on uh, New Year's Eve 1999. It's so, very easy to remember how long, he was, how long he's been in office. So what you're saying is he basically created a huge car crash... And then swept in and said, oh, I'll fix up this car crash for you. Uh, I, uh, th- th- uh, that, that is what the ex-KGB agents say happened. Yes, yes, Charles. <laughs> I'm certainly not saying that. Wasn't he also um, Boris Yeltsin's head of security or something? Or yeah, some he was job the head of the FSB, yeah. Some job which could have given him dirt on Boris Yeltsin, uh, who made him his prime minister or something. You, look, I don't think you needed to be the head of the FSB to have dirt on Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> Uh, you just had to sort of watch one of his rallies. <laughs> uh, but yes, possibly. So, Boris Yeltsin had, had gone through several different prime ministers before he was like, you know what, this man, the uh, the former head of the FSB, this is the guy, nobody's ever heard of him, he has no political profile, he, everyone th- sort of thinks he's terrifying, he needs to be the president now, goodbye, I'm leaving, bye. So what's next for Matt Bevan? You've done three series, uh, moving from Trump to, to Putin, are we going to have ScoMo in the next series? Uh, look, from the looks that I'm getting from the two of you, no. No, I'm well, terrified of what I would say, if I, what would happen to me if I say said yes, I would never get out of this interrogation room. Well, but if you, if you, you could do a sort of complimentary podcast about how well run the Australian government is, mm. Mm. that could work very well. And it would also get your brownie points at the ABC, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, the thing is we have tried, Matt, um, sending the boys through the front door, the AFP agents, and grabbing stuff. Surprisingly, that actually backfired. It didn't help make the AFP look good. So Mm. we need people on the inside. Yes. So maybe lefties, if you're listening, Mm. um, here are all the great things about ScoMo, and particularly Peter Dutton you might not have known about. Could could we do a deal? Yeah. to, to promote the the, uh, the 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 profile of Peter Dutton, that's the that's the plan. Mm. Especially, well, I just think, I mean, people criticise the ABC uh, for all kinds of reasons, but wouldn't it be great if we could say to them, well, but, but have you heard the podcast about how great Peter Dutton is? That is very much that heading in the right direction. That's a good point. Um, look, let's uh, how about we uh, how about uh, I feel like um, can I just have to take a moment actually, Charles. <laughs> See, I, I think I think he's he's a bit hesitant, right? Well, it's because he knows that ABC editorial policies still apply to him throughout this conversation. Yes. We've got to have a conversation away so, from this conversation. So I think I think what we've got to do is we've just got to hone in on the whole leaking things because he can agree to that. Yes, I think, and look, he knows all about the PP tape. He's across leaking. Yeah. So I think I think what we'll do is because he's on the same floor as Philip Adams, isn't he? I think he is. We can get some dirt on oh, Philip Adams. For sure. We turned him years ago. He doesn't know that. He's <laughs> yeah, the he, deepest mole we have. <laughs> so, Matt, look, let's just agree mm-hmm. here while we're recording that you're not going to help us in any way and you're going to continue to do your job with utmost integrity and independence. Can you agree to do that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. We'll be in touch later. Good. <laughs> Why are you winking at me? Uh, it's a, it's a, a tick. Uh, that uh, I picked up after drinking a cup of tea given to me by some very generous Russians. Matt Bevan, thank you for enduring Extreme Vetting. You're very welcome. Thanks, guys. Extreme Vetting with The Chaser was written and presented by Dom Knight, Charles Firth and Andrew Hansen. Produced by Alex Mitchell and audio production by Darcy Thompson. 
For all episodes, search Extreme Vetting Podcast. Listener.